Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 102, ministry update and Q&A with Matt and Lori. Hey, welcome. My name is Lori. I'm the Lori part of that, Matt and Lori, and I'm the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries, and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt Krieg. Hey. We also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Episode 102. <laughs> you are doing it. That's my radio jingle voice. Which yeah. We were doing all sorts of radio jingles before recording, (laughs) so might as well do it for 102. (laughs) But today we're hanging out, just the three of us, and we're going to be tackling some Q&A. We're going to be talking some ministry updates. And I feel like we're we're already like sitting back. I already feel us like, okay. Not that we don't love every single person we interview, but it's kind of nice to just hang just the three of us. But as we begin our hanging... We're going to do the question of the week from last week. And it's very apropos. Is that how you say yeah. that? Apropos yes. to this week, which is what is the best part of the Thanksgiving feast or your nearest holiday feast if you're not in the States? I recognize it's just a USA thing. Uh, Matt, which person said something that you were like, mm, scrumsh diddly umptious? <laughs> um, um, well, on Facebook, Nathan said that if you get to scoop your mashed potatoes before anyone else... <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that one. And you get the scoop out of the center that has all the butter in it. Mm. That is so I, I laughed at that one <laughs> because I would do that 100%. Would and, you do it now? I can see little teenage Matt, but I don't know about now, um, Matt. Now Matt would still want to do it, but I would probably withhold. Mm-hmm. And you'd let the girls do and it. And I would, I would, yeah, I would definitely give the buttery center to the girls. Yeah, they but, would do Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So that's your favorite part of the tea day um, feast? So no, my my favorite part of the turkey day feast is actually stuffing. I love your stuffing, especially mm, when it's just you. slathered in gravy that comes from the turkey drippings out of the pan. And it's just delicious. And I can't wait to take all of that and throw it into a pie crust this year. Ooh. Oh, it's happening. It's going to be a bread pie. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's no there's <laughs> okay. no limit to the amount of bread that you can put in pie. That's so true. <laughs> carbs so on carbs on carbs. And yes. we wonder why we nap. Oh, man. Except if you have kids that are young, <laughs> then you don't. Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I like what Dave had to say. The food fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen to this. Often, not every year, our extended family will get together and usually a dinner roll or olive will get tossed at some point. It'll spark a volleyball-like rally ending with mom telling us to stop. And then he says, yes, my siblings and I are all in our 50s and 60s. (laughs) That's so great. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. So you do that? Uh, No, although I, I long... For the freedom yeah. from just even my own like anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. that Dave seems to have. You know, mm. like if that was going on yeah, in, at, at my Thanksgiving feast, I think I'd be like, who's going to clean this up? Yeah. You know, but they probably put tarp down or something. That's under the way to do it at this point. Yes. Yeah. Some kind of drop cloth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which he didn't exactly say what's his favorite part of like the food eating, which I recognized at the different socials where I asked this question. Yeah. I asked it in different ways. So I was like, right. what's your favorite part of the food? What's your favorite part? So well, some people say said sentimental things. The favorite part of the feast or the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. Feast the, the could be the food stuffs. Yeah. But I feel like if you don't say something that's like sentimental and sweet, you're kind of like wrong. You should get taboo <laughs> buzzard, right? Yes, probably. Okay. Carbs. For me. Yes. 
I am a meat lover, so I like turkey. Mm. Uh, although I know that there's often the danger that it's dry. Yes, that that's is why the we truth. need gravy. Mm. But uh, my wife's dinner rolls are a huge hit. Mm. Um, she makes great dinner rolls, so that brings us back back to bread. There you go. Yep. It's all about carbs. Yep. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated what Robert had to say. I would say that the best part of the Thanksgiving feast to me is getting to spend time with my family. It's always been one of the biggest extended family get-togethers for my family, and I love getting to spend time with them, and also giving thanks to God for all his many blessings. Granted, the traditional Thanksgiving meal, especially the dressing, ranks pretty high in my book. Which? Is it stuffing or is it dressing? That should have been our question of the week. Yes. And then people food fight over it. But still, quite secondary to spending time with family and giving thanks to God. I actually think that Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Really? I just love it because yeah. it's pre-Christmas. I love right. Christmas so hard. It's like my favorite, but it's like once Christmas Day comes, it's kind of a letdown after because mm. then it's like, well, I yeah. mean, we've been waiting for this and now it's here and now it's done. So the anticipation of it all is my favorite and Thanksgiving is such an anticipatory day yeah. and it's so familial. But the food piece of this feast that I love is also the stuffing. I do make some really good stuffing dressing. <laughs> I don't know what I say. Stuffing? <laughs> Usually what do stuffing. I say? Do I? Yeah. What do you guys yeah. say? I think stuffing because stovetop stuffing. That's but if you do the, the stovetop, I will slap. Oh, I know. I okay, know. okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying in terms of like somebody's marketing branding, Yeah. they called it stuffing. And so that's, that's true. what we go with. Yeah, it's not ranch stuffing. Mm. Wait, mm. that makes zero dressing. sense. It's ranch is dressing. Yeah, but the dressing... The, I know. Oh, that's I what I'm saying. Now. That's what dressing is. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> yeah. You're saying dressing is on a salad. Dressing is on a stuffing salad. Stuffing isn't a bird. Okay. Yep. Well, stuffing ideally is not in a bird. I'll have... Anyway. Right. Speaking of mm. Thanksgiving, what was that sound? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is that sound? <laughs> me clearing my voice because I know there's arguments out there of whether or not mm. you should stuff the bird. And I think right. we've talked about it. We have. We did. Extensively. Yeah. The answer yeah. is no. That's the only right answer. The end. Yeah, you have your throwaway bird. <laughs> <laughs> you have like, that's that's right. where we yeah. end up. You get yes. a throwaway bird because it makes the stuffing delicious. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Matt, beyond your delicious turkey that you make and what do you do? What do you, what's your secret to turkey creation again? Talk to Alton Brown. Brining it. Yeah, Brine. brine it. Oh. And Alton Brown. If you yeah. guys want a perfect turkey, except now it's already passed, depending on when I actually post this, look up Alton Brown's recipe as like a 20,000 five-star reviews actually maybe only 1,000 but still Matt what are you thankful for this year I am thankful for well some of I guess the journey that God is taking us on what is Um, that journey a I mean it's easy to say Ellis you know our son our son um but just even the the changes that are coming for our family and and for just ministry and, and my practice and, and everything, just all, just, I'm happy that and thankful that God has been walking us through this and that he's leading us into a place that seems like it's going to be good. And guys, if you're having question marks pop up above your head, like a cartoon character, uh, <laughs> I'll explain more on that. Just those changes that Matt's talking about in my section of gratitude. But now we shall move on to Steve. Yes. Steve, what are you thankful for? Uh, well, I, I was thinking back over this year, and to be honest, there's been some trials. Hmm. There have been some difficulties that we've walked through this year that I 
am at a point of saying that I'm grateful for. Wow. Um, mostly the experience of God um, in a new level, new depth, and what I've learned mm. from it. Yeah. You know, that I probably wouldn't have if I had gotten what I want, which is not pain, <laughs> you know? Legit. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I know you guys and probably m- most of the people listening get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am very grateful for the, I guess, growth and experience of God that has come this year. That's awesome. It's cool how, uh, like, I don't know how people cannot know God. Like, it makes me so sad and makes me want to tell people more about God because mm-hmm. everyone suffers, but like, yeah. only with Christ does it really produce endurance and hope and like deep soul, deep goodness. Yeah. Like not that suffering doesn't produce good things and people who don't know God, but like it's really as purpose. Right. And you get to know God at such a deep level because he's gone through it with you and really before you and alongside you. Cool, Steve. Thank you. So guys, something Matt was alluding to is something that I'm thankful for is uh, just some changes that are going to be coming with the ministry. So I just was praying about this podcast because we knew we wanted to make some announcements, just what was going to be shifting with the ministry, et cetera. Um, but I'll, I'll share that by sharing a story. So when we started HIMH, Hole in My Heart Ministries, uh, it really began in 2014. And um, I was asked to share my story on a blog with the readership of like 30,000 readers a month or something ridiculous. It was lies young women believe. And I had not shared my story publicly yet. So like that Christmas is coming out in February, 2014. I like go and like tell my whole family. And I'm like, ah, by the way, here's my secret life that I was living. I know a few of you know this, but um, then I, I shared it. And then I started blogging simultaneously. Now, before I did that blog, the word like homosexuality or something would pop up in circles. And it wasn't like I was like, here's my articulate response to what you're saying. I literally would shut down. Mm. Like I would go catatonic. Like you, it was like I unplugged from the wall. I couldn't talk about it at all because it was so personal. And it just was like, people were saying things that were so hurtful. And I just, I couldn't even say a sentence. Uh, So it was interesting that it was like, God just whispered to me in that February, 2014, it was like, go now. And it was this pressure. It wasn't fear. It wasn't anything besides like, you need to begin now. And so we started officially in uh, the following year with the 501c3 and God just brought lawyers to help us do free uh, 501c3 things and people just out of the woodwork. People started supporting God, just favor, 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 favor. Now about uh, this January of 2019, in the fall before of 2018, I sensed that same pressure on me. I got real sick. I got the flu um, when I was like seven months pregnant. And I prayed for like two solid weeks because I had felt for months this sand in my soul, like not actual, but like (laughs) metaphorical sand in my soul where I just was like, what is it, God? What is it? What is it? And as I was praying those two weeks, I just sensed God saying, you, you need, you're not going to be able to do this for much longer. And it was the same sort of like pressure, like you need, you need to stop. So as I was praying, I literally started asking God, I was like, so do you have like prophets still around? <laughs> like, cause this seems real dumb because we have like 
we're exploding. We're, I'm speaking all the time. There's all this favor. There's all these things. But I'm like, my job is to be obedient. We had people speak over this ministry when we started it. Like, you'll never succeed. You guys are idiots. Like, what are you doing? We had $7 in our bank account and God just like blew it up. He does whatever he wants. So, but you have to be obedient. So anyway, we get prayer team. We start, we talk to our board. We have talked to lawyers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the result of that was we discerned we need to just switch from a 501c3 to a for-profit ministry. So by the end of December 31, 2019, Hold My Heart Ministries is no longer going to be a nonprofit, but we're going to switch to a for-profit. Now, why? Why would that make sense? I don't really know exactly other than we're in a very hot conversation. And there's already been, even before I had this sense from the Lord in January of this year, that this was just not going to be safe. And so for our family, the Kriegs, to be financially dependent on a tax line, you know, that the government, who isn't too fond at the moment, maybe some are, of what we're doing, just isn't wisdom. And I am, Matt and I, we are definitely willing to suffer. We have suffered in this ministry. But I, it was like God was saying, I, don't, I want you to, I want to help you avoid unnecessary suffering. So we're still going to be a ministry, uh, but Matt is going to be, and Matt's still going to be doing his practice, uh, but we're going to be financially dependent on hopefully honorariums, on speaking things, on you all. If God puts it on your heart to support us, you won't get a tax write-off. Um, but we'd appreciate it because things like this podcast, you know, they cost money like Steve deserves his, his wages. And and we, we the Kriegs of Orientar, um, <laughs> but like this is a huge faith move, like giant faith move. And if if we don't have the support or God doesn't open up the doors for speaking, et cetera, like it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt, say, say something. Yeah. I mean, from a just logical brain standpoint it just seems like well you're cutting off a revenue source yeah. for no reason but that's kind of what we have to wrestle with because that's where the anxiety comes in and yeah. everything but it's it's also something where it's like okay if god is saying this and it's been like multiple times there's been random people that um people on our on the board have, have been talking to about the ministry and they're like that sounds more like an llc than a 501c3 like it's like a for-profit versus just like non-profit. yeah just a privately owned LLC. Mm-hmm. And, and this was someone who had no idea that this was something that we were talking about and mm-hmm. discussing as an entity. And, and so it just seems like, yeah, God is, is leading in that direction, not to, not to change what the ministry is doing, but to free the ministry up to, to just continue doing it without quite as much possible backlash from, from being a, a nonprofit. And what's really cool. So that's like some of the I don't know, like we're not running, but just the wisdom kind of looking at the fear wisdom piece, like, okay, this is the negative, but what's the positive, what this is going to do to free us up is I won't have to necessarily do the infrastructure of a nonprofit. So that's actually going to liberate me more to do the equipping work that I love. I don't want to run a huge entity. I will. I'm definitely willing to, but to be able to put out videos, so Matt and I are probably going to start a YouTube channel where we want to do like videos. Like Matt is always coming home with, here's this new counseling technique that I thought of. And this is this whole new, like this metaphor. And I'm like, Matt, 
Matt Krieg will never, ever start a YouTube channel, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can put his great ideas on the internet. Uh, so that's something we're going to be doing. We're still going to be doing this podcast. Uh, so we love this. You guys seem to appreciate the, the conversations we have on here. So we really want to serve you there. Um, we are also going to continue doing our journey while training. But guys, something else that God is shifting, I guess expanding, is we want to lean more and more into this marriage conversation uh, because I see holy Toledo's Batman. Like we don't understand marriage. And I feel like going through Matt and I are hell <laughs> that we had some on this podcast. And if, and when you all read the book next fall, uh, you'll hear more um, that, that really woke me up, woke us up to what is marriage. And I feel like we're barely scratching the surface of the metaphor and just the gorgeousness of it. Uh, but we want to lean in there specifically with intensives. Like, so people who are in crisis, maybe like two on two, let's talk two to three days. Let's get you in a house with a couple who can be the host people uh, or retreats with maybe 10, 15 couples. Let's do some more heart work. That's more like a tune up or conferences. That's more like exhortation. And we'd want to gather some of our friends, maybe some people that we've had on this podcast to really just, I don't know. I feel like I'm not hearing a ton of the beautiful metaphor of marriage. I hear a lot of like, let's work on communication. I hear a lot of the horizontal, but for me, the horizontal wasn't helpful. It was nice, but it didn't tether me to stay to this covenant metaphor. Mm. But when you add in the vertical with like, man, we get the opportunity that when people see us dying to our natural defaults toward not oneness. They get this billboard of Jesus loving them. And of course, Satan would want to target that. Like literally in this room, there's a billboard. You go to the grocery store, there's like a hundred billboards. Like there's billboards everywhere in these marriages when we love each other well of how much Jesus loves you. And so of course, Satan wants to destroy that. And so that's a space that um, you can just tell God is stirring in both of us. Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is because I, I look and I'm like, oh, there's so many experts out there who have done so many things like in the, the marriage field. But it's also something that it's, yeah, it's the vertical relationship. It's when things get hard, is there a purpose to the pain or is it just, I'm supposed to be happy here? Mm. And, and I feel like that is, that's what I run into a lot with, you know, with clients is, okay, why I'm unhappy here. I'm unhappy in this marriage. I'm unhappy in, you know, in this situation. And so I'm going to look to either force my, my spouse to change to suit what I want or I'm gone. Mm. And that's not marriage. That's not, that's not a covenant. That's not what God put marriage as an institution, as a, as a picture of him. Yeah. Like that's, that's, it's just, furthest thing from what marriage is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just say as the old guy in the room <laughs> who has been exposed to a lot of the other, um, you know, marriage material, there's a, a foundation, a starting point that I think a lot of the things that I've read or watched or been a part of in the past, just assume you guys didn't assume the why marriage Mm -hmm. question you know mm -hmm. 
Um, and I feel like, yeah, that's, that's what really, um, has been unique about just learning this stuff together with you guys, um, yeah. is that you dared to ask that question, <laughs> you know? Um, cause I wasn't going to stay otherwise. Most of the Christian marriage stuff is, yeah. it, uh, it just kind of like assumes that. And yeah. then from there it just kind of goes, and here's how you can have a, a better time along the way. And here's mm. how. You know, you can yep. adjust so that you're, you are having a fun time. I don't want to reduce it to that, but no, like but it, it more can compatible, feel that way. Yeah. You, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal, yep. your compatibility and it's very self focused. Mm-hmm. It seems to be, it serves the marriage. It's not, how does your marriage serve this message, this yeah. metaphor? And I even too, like, and I love so there's so many great books out there like that, that really encourage, okay, this isn't about happiness. This is about your sanctification and your holiness. And, but even that message for me, I was like, okay, so you're telling me I get to suffer more (laughs) killer. Uh, how I could go suffer out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that doesn't make you want to be like, Oh yeah, right. Right. let's snuggle in for a nice suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see it's purposeful yeah, like that, no, and you're doing that, you, you're, you're suffering with Christ. Like that's what it says all over in the gospels, just that your suffering connects you to Christ and mm. we connect to his suffering in the ways that we suffer. And so that, that I can, I can hang around for, but not even hang around. Like it, it, it's like what you were talking about, Steve, that you're grateful for, like good grief. Like I almost said, holy cats, but I've been reprimanded to not say (laughs) holy cats on this podcast. Unholy felines. (laughs) (laughs) Holy dogs. No. Um, but just that suffering does produce good things. Okay. So guys, uh, this is different, what we're doing, what we're shifting into. I will have more information about the what and the why and the how um, on the podcast episode page. And just to really like see, let's say you're like, ooh, I actually do want to support what you guys are doing. Thank you. Uh, to, we're going to have an, a discernment team. So I'm going to have a group of people like really looking at, it's not going to be a board of directors like I've had, but it's going to be a team that's going to operate similarly, but really to help discern next steps, to help me to steward uh, finance as well, et cetera. So just so you know, there is going to be oversight over that. But if God is prompting you to support or learn more, check out the podcast episode page. Um, but as of January 1, 2020, we're going to have a whole new website. I'm working super hard with my team, but you're going to be able to see how you can um, give online and connect to these videos that we're going to be doing and this podcast better. So it's really, there's a lot of exciting things. And hopefully we're going to actually be able to equip you more because we're going to be able to do the the teaching work more and more. Mm. Okay. Enough of that fun and games. Let's get into some of the Q&A that you all sent us. And they were real easy ones. Real easy, guys. Thank you so much. Um, One of the first ones that we were sent was, why is same-sex marriage not God's design? Um, Just people wrestle with that. And that makes tons of sense. I myself have wrestled with it. And it's super important to understand. I think that's something maybe older generations like, well, of course it's wrong. But why? Why is it not God's best? So, Matt, go ahead and teach us now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) This is your shtick usually. I know. I just feel my, I'm like, I've talked too much already. Um, So if you guys really want to dive into it, I'll recommend a great book to read to 
like really unpack this is a book called People to Be Loved with Preston Sprinkle. I was hanging out with that brother today. Um, but he, it's just great. And it just goes through the arguments really well with real tenderness. If you don't want to read a whole book, go to centerforfaith.com. Click on pastoral papers. And then click on 15 reasons for the affirming view and 15 responses. That's one of my favorite ones on there. Okay, so I'm going to go through my top three favorite reasons for God's design being between a man and a woman and not same-sex marriage. And this is not going to be exhaustive. Again, go to those resources I've mentioned. But the first one is a like opposite. So in Genesis 2, uh writer, Moses says, the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a suitable helper fit for him. And the word suitable helper there is the words Ezer Konegdo, alike but opposite me. And it's the words there are not like, oh, an animal could have been okay, or someone of the same gender, just that the words there, Ezer Konegdo, would be someone who's similar, but the opposite. So it's like picturing a mirror. So it's like a mirror, but someone who's a little bit different. Again, Preston really unpacks that really beautifully. It's like chapter two in People to be Loved. The second reason is the Bible always says no. Uh, Never is it like, eh. Or maybe yes, it's always in the negative when it talks about same-sex marriage or homosexuality or really the words there, men have sex with men. So for example, in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, which is the word arsenokoites, or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So the words practice homosexuality there, arsenokoites, is it's an ongoing, unrepentant act. <laughs> so it's people who are in these same-sex behavior, and it's not like a one-time thing. It's not just a one-time lust of the mind, but it's ongoing. But pause before we talk about that. So many people just focus on that sin. There's so many other ones in there that we never talk about. Like, so those who ongoingly worship idols or those who ongoingly commit adultery in their minds or are thieves or greedy people. Christians sure love greedy people because they can sometimes give lots of money, you know, like, like rich, not that every rich person is greedy, but you know, sometimes they can be greedy and wealthy and give money and we just don't even think about it. Uh, or are drunkards or abusive or cheap people. Like we're not saying, hey guys, look, watch out. You know, we're not calling them out, but somehow we focus on this practice homosexuality thing. So just notice there's a bunch of other sins there that are listed. Notice it's an ongoing, unrepentant status. And that word arsenokoites, that directly links back to Leviticus 18 and 20. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. That's an abomination. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. So the words there are, scholars say that the word arsenokoites that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 6 is a direct link to Leviticus 18 and 20. Again, Preston's book really unpacks that. My third favorite reason is Jesus. And people will say that he doesn't talk about it at all, which he doesn't directly, but he does use a weird word when he is confronted by the Pharisees about adultery. Now, the word he could have used when he, they're saying, oh, can they have a divorce or when can they get divorced? And he says in Matthew 5, 32 and 19, 9, he says, this is Jesus. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, pornea, and marries another woman commits adultery. So he could have used a better word for adultery, which would have been the word moikia. 
But instead, he used the word porneia, which has a wider semantic range referring to other sexual sins. It can be used of adultery, incest, premarital sex, same-sex behavior, etc. This is Scott McKnight. He's like the leading theologian of the New Testament. And this is his quote on that section of verses. He says, Scott McKnight, when I see the word porneia used by Jesus and I ask a question of a Jew, what would a Jew have meant by and understood by the word porneia? I'm convinced that the word entailed the prohibition of same-sex relations. To use a modern analogy, if you double-click on the word porneia, it takes you to Leviticus 18. So it takes you to Leviticus 18, which people will be like, wait, Leviticus, doesn't it have all sorts of craziness in it? (laughs) Now that section of uh, Leviticus, um, which is the moral law, We didn't get rid of all of that with Jesus, like the ceremonial law and the purity laws, like where it's like, don't hang out with people who have pussy tubers, you know, (laughs) that those are the, the, the ceremonial laws that got taken care of with Jesus. We no longer have to do that. Um, And then the ceremonial and the purity laws, but the moral laws, those ones we still follow. And so there's, there's things in there in Leviticus 18, like about having sex with animals and with your children. So if we were to argue, you know, that that doesn't hold up anymore, then I think we'd also have to start arguing that like, okay, how about bestiality? That's no longer a thing or, or having sex with people in your, your household. So those are my top three. Again, I didn't dive into it too much because, well, this is a podcast and I'm, my mouth is tired of talking. I want to have a conversation. <laughs> um, but again, check out those resources I said. But honestly, guys, my favorite, favorite reason for why marriage has to be between a man and a woman is not listed in People to be Loved, I don't think. And it's not listed on centerforfaith.com, but it's kind of what we were talking about with this marriage focus that we want to have is Matthew West. We have had him on this podcast. He says... Christopher West. Sorry, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew West. West is a singer. Christopher <laughs> West is a writer. Um, but he talks about a lot in there about how this metaphor we're doing is to metaphor divinity, God's desire to be one with humanity. And he's referring to Ephesians 5. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Matt represents God. I represent the church. And when we die to ourselves and be one, y'all get to see how much, how Jesus died for you and wants to be one with you. You can't really see that that otherness in two people of the same gender. And people will joke, you know, I hear this a lot at marriage conferences, speaking of Steve, where they're like, isn't it so funny? That's their voice too. Just of course, kidding. Of course. <laughs> isn't it so funny? Even if they're men, that's their voice. <laughs> apparently. Hey, I don't judge. <laughs> that um, men are so different from women. And then you guys have all these raging hormones and then you get married and then you realize, shock, you're so different. It's like God's cosmic joke. And I really thought that it was. Mm. Like, honestly, I would hear those jokes on Christian radio, etc., And I'd be like, yeah. Why don't you marry someone of the same sex? Because you all seem to hate each other. Okay. Then I realized, oh, im goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is on purpose. 
Matt's so different from me to represent how God is so different from us and yet he wants to marry us. That's bananas. So it's not cosmic joke. It's beautiful cosmic design. And so that's worth that's worth dying to yourself for. That's worth leaning into this for. So that's that's honestly my fave argument. Any words, blokes? <laughs> well, I think I would and this has really nothing to do with, with same-sex marriage in particular, but just looking at sexuality and looking at, um, there's a book by uh, Rebecca DeYoung called Glittering Vices, and she talks about lust as this, basically this consumption of, of other people um, as, as kind of the basis for lust. And you can have that even within a marriage. You can have selfish sex in a marriage, and actually it happens quite often. But when she paints this picture of, of sex and what it's used for, and, and even the procreative aspect of it, and it, it's, it's something that she says, it's an other focus, and even because of the procreation piece, it's a future-focused thing. Mm-hmm. That because of the offspring that, that could be had that mimics the creation that, yep. that God did in the beginning, like you can demonstrably alter someone's life in the future that you never meet. Because of the way that that you have brought life into the world, and that is not honestly, it's just not it's not possible within a same sex relationship to have that future focus mentality. Now, can you try and serve the other person? Yes. Um, so that is it doesn't have to be this entirely selfish thing. But I I don't know if 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 sex is supposed to at at a piece of it be this this ability to join in God's creation and in and, and the future ongoing creation that he is doing that, that can only come about in opposite sex relationships. Mm. Which you could say, well, you can adopt, you can artificially inseminate and you can, you know, have that ongoing future peace. What would you say to that? But it's not through the act of sex and therefore the act of sex within that couple itself would, mm. would not, would never connect to that aspect. Not that an adoption is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to speak poorly of adoption, but, but it's something that in engaging in sex there, I, I feel like there should be this like willingness to participate in God's creation and, and, and allowing him to, to, to kind of bring that about. And that's never possible in the act of sex in a, in a same sex way snaps for that matt okay i get a lot of this sort of question which is how do i speak truth in love to my friend so people will be like okay yes i got it i got it i got it i love lovey love love but at some point i gotta say something right and um yeah you do and so how how do i say the truth pieces so like i just said you know this is these are three of my favorite reasons for why I believe God's design for marriage is this. Um, so how, how do you walk with someone? And I'm going to share some things and feel free, Matt, to mm-hmm. jump in with how you do this. Because I know you're walking with people with different beliefs and it's different as a therapist, but you also walk with friends. Yeah. So let's say I have a friend, like a real friend. This isn't like some random person who I love and they're like, hey... You know, I'm really wrestling. I think I should engage in this same-sex relationship, which they probably wouldn't say that same sentence. They'll say a name of a person. But, you know, I'm really, I think that this is the best for me. And you're like, thanks for sharing that with me. Thanks. And then you're like, email me. I don't know. You're wondering what to do because you're like, want to get it right. 
So the first thing I would do is stay in that friendship and I would ask them, how's it going? And let's say they start dating, like really ask. And it may be all sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. I don't say that pun intended, but like it might be really great, like in the beginning. And I would just really care and ask questions. And you might not say, oh, I'm so excited for you, but hey, that sounds so exciting. Or you seem so happy, even though your heart's a little sad. You don't have to make yourself happy. You can feel, hold hold that holy grief because it isn't God's best. Um, but I, I would really walk with them until they maybe start, man, I, I wonder why this isn't working out. Or maybe it's 10 relationships down the road or, or maybe they just start wondering, or maybe there's, I don't know. I'm just going to trust the Holy spirit is going to make a window where you can say, you know, I love you so much. I just, I, I guess I would wonder, like, how did you come to these conclusions? So you're a believer. So I'm assuming this person's a believer, by the way, because you're not going to be able to convince them same sex marriage is wrong if they aren't following Jesus. So let's say they're believers, but they're pursuing this. Hey, I just would love to know. I love, you know, I love you. Can you help me understand? How did you come to this conclusion? And so you all need to have your arguments locked and loaded. Uh, so why do you believe what you believe so that you can respond to those again, 15 reasons and 15 responses. I'll post that on the podcast episode page, but so that you can say, man, thanks for sharing that. You know, when I read that passage or when I was reading Preston or I, I see it as this, or maybe you've thrown the procreation response. And again, your tone is very gentle and like you do love them, but you do say something like you, you start to, I don't know, challenge is a harsh word, but just ask, where did you come to those conclusions? And, and you start offering your own perspective. Um, offer what you believe with, with gentleness and grace. Uh, and then again, circle back. How's it going? How are you doing? Like, listen to their heart, listen to how they're doing in the relationship and not just the relationship, like about life and jokes. Like you don't have to only talk about this. Like there's a million other pieces to people where you can keep connecting and building those bridges of friendship. Um, but then study. And, and I think for me, again, why my favorite reason is what it is. It's why one man and one woman, like two guys and two girls can't ever mirror that oneness that God wants. Um, with us. And then always remember this, no matter what they're running to, if it's a same sex relationship, if it's food, if it's porn, if it's straight porn, if it's whatever, guys, you don't ever have to fear that somehow they're going to find it in that thing. They're never gonna get their heart scratched there. They're not. And so inevitably at some point, they're going to say, why, why isn't this working out for me? And that's when you, you know, of course you don't say, aha, I got you now, Jesus. But you know, I just wonder, and, and always posturing as a question is, is often helpful because it's sincerely hel- like humble. I just wonder if, if the same God who walks with me through my suffering could walk with you there, he'll ne- he always sees you. That person isn't seeing you enough. He will never look away. You're, you're feeling lost. You're feeling like oh, this deep hunger. You know, if it is food they're running to, man, there's someone who will never satisfy. You'll live with this ache until eternity, but he, he's reaching in all the time. And then come back to how you doing. <laughs> you know, it's just always keep mm-hmm. building those bridges. But when I'm walking with people, I am... I, I have to force myself to not fear. But I'm always reminding myself, Lori, it's never going to be enough for them. 
just keep reaching out and loving and just wait and to speak into those windows of, you know, who is always sees you always love to speak into those core needs. I'm losing my voice here, guys. Sorry. I'm <laughs> well, sounding I, like I'm yeah. smoking something. Yeah. And I, I think with this question, there's, there's often the sense of, okay, I need to call them away from what they're doing with the truth piece. I need to, I need to somehow convince them that that is the wrong thing to do. And honestly, that's a theology of no. Mm. And, and so I would, I would say that as yes, you, you know, your reason for believing, you know, that the Bible <laughs> says that, that it should be a man and a woman in a marriage and, and everything like all that's great and all that is necessary. But, but honestly, your job is first to connect them to God. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's absolutely that's nothing it. that's going to, to help them to, to make them say no. You can't will yourself to say no. I couldn't will myself to saying no to pornography when I was in the midst of my addiction. Like the only thing that broke through was God. And, and I think of the podcast with, uh, with Heather, hmm. where she was living her life as Jamie, as having transitioned to male. And she was living that. And it took a, an exchange with God to, to get her to be like, oh, wow, I need to come back out as Heather and it's all, it's all God. It's, it's okay. So your job as the friend is like not to help them say no to this thing over here, but to say, how can we more and more in your life say yes to God until it's something that's very natural for them to say, wow, there are some things that I'm called to give up, but that's not for you. You can't convict them to that. Like that's gotta be the work of the Holy spirit. And it's your job to lead them and to, engage with them in, in, in really going to God and saying yes, more and more day to day to him and then let him be responsible for, for any, any choices that they make. Matt, as you were saying that I was looking up second Timothy too, cause I was thinking of these verses I listened to. I will preach this app all day. It's the Streetlights app and it puts the Bible to a sick beat and it's the New Living Translation. But I listen to Second Timothy all the time because it just like amps me up to like go tell people about Jesus. Okay. Second Timothy two twenty three. it says, and again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach So this is where you do need to have some learning in you, Mm -hmm. but you're not quarreling. You're not fighting. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Now that's not what you see in culture today. Mm. You either see no teaching or you see screaming. Not everyone. I'm not, not everyone, but it says this next part, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Who's changing their hearts? God, right? Like that stood out to me so much this week. And the last part is they will, they will, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. But so many times, this is a huge piece of it. When I'm walking with people, because I get so tempted to be like, oh no, they're straying. It's my fault. And I'm only, I'm not even walking with my kids through their stuff yet, Steve. You've got grown up mm-hmm. kids. You've had to walk them through so I just picture him like, oh, Lord, help me when, if and when our children walk different directions than we want. Hopefully they'll just have some bumps, but not crazy ones. Um, but it's God, whether it's my children who are walking away or people that I'm discipling, it's God that changes their hearts. So yes, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. 
Be patient with everyone. Be always be ready to have an answer for the reason you believe. That's a different set of verses. But it's God who does the work. Who? All right. We could probably answer like 70 more questions, but <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> um, we're going to we're going to wrap it. We're going to let you guys go eat some leftovers or some right nowers. I don't know, whenever you're having your feast. Um, but we're super thankful for you guys. Just really, really thankful for this podcast and just, um, I don't know, you just heard some more of the story today of just God launching us to be able to speak into a lot of the sexuality conversation. And as we move more into marriage or I don't know, we're just going to be obedient. <laughs> That's what you're going to find this podcast in, in, in the ministry, both in the nonprofit and into this shift to the for-profit. And as God adds more and more marriage, we're going to try our best to be obedient guys. And we'd love for you to join us. I just, my, my prayer and my hope in these, just honestly, these last few days, I'm like, Jesus, will you please help the church to really get all in? Because honestly, we need, we need you guys. If you were made by God, we need you. <laughs> and everyone was made by God. So we need you on this team. So link arms with us, however that is. Um, and practically speaking, maybe it's sharing this podcast. Maybe it's when the transition happens. If God prompts you to support us, that'd be awesome. Uh, or giving us ideas, any encouragement, and and ask, guys, we love to pray for you. You guys send us prayer requests. I don't pretend pray for you. We really do. And sometimes God will bring you to mind, um, even randomly, if I don't even know you well. So feel free to send those as well. So podcast episode page, you'll find some more information uh, about what we talked about here. But um, I think this is is where we're going to pause it for now. And our question of the week for next week, after we eat our bread pies (laughs) is what is the most annoying sound besides my scratchy voice (laughs) it just sounds i don't know whatever what what to you is the most annoying sound we want to hear it um guys thanks so much we are super thankful for you and for all of us here at the whole in my heart podcast we will see you next week Oh, yeah. So I was talking to my little sister today, and she said, what if Ann Voskamp, who wrote 1,000 Gifts, yes, wrote a follow-up book called 1,000 Gifts, <laughs> like, and it was a flip book for some could, reason. So maybe it was one GIF or with 1,000 pages. It could be a new blog that she yes. publishes that has animated GIFs, and it's just this long just a stream her thing is gratitude so i think i'd be really thankful for that yes yes gift gifts matt unless it's gifs then it's peanut butter (laughs) which is good peanut butter because it got sugar in it you guys are the young folk is it gifts it's supposed to be gifs but i think if you actually look it up it's supposed it can be either okay but i don't know maybe i'm just saying things and have i ever googled it i don't know do i know how to google i don't know i feel like there's no definitive answer on this. No, nope, I don't think there's even a way to figure it out. Nope. I think we just have to sit here and wallow in our uh, 1,000 GIFs.